As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yo, 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 this is pretty much Papa Culture Podcast, slinging rhymes and explaining mimes, though miming is going to have to wait for a future episode. Today we're talking about battle rap, per the request of our audio editor and resident rapper, Sacrifice, a.k.a. Tyler Hislop. I'm Mark Linsenmeyer, glad to hear that the Keynes versus Hayek meme is not actually battle rap at all. I'm Erica Spires up in NYC, stuck in my apartment since vid-19, going a little crazy, my mind don't stop, new episodes each week, just like pretty much pop. Nice. <laughs> And I'm Brian Hurt, a.k.a. Speculative Friction, a.k.a. The Hebrew Ham, a.k.a. Reggie Fraction, a.k.a. The Breaked Tooth, a.k.a. Chronic IBS. <laughs> oh, why? Welcome, Tyler. This is Tyler Hislop, terrific and terrible, with writtens encrypted in parables, infinite lyrical missions to sick for infants and squares and fools. Listen and swear it's true. Limitless scripts prepared for use. Holy crap, yeah. Okay, all right. Mark's an infant, and <laughs> I'm a square, and Erica's a fool, so we might be done. But no, that was <laughs> that was awesome. Are we going to spoil these rap battles? Are we going to say who won? <laughs> There's no, no spoiler issue here, I think. No, not at all. A lot of guests that I've reached out to, you know, I know that somebody I want to have on, and they're like, well, let me know when you got a topic for me. And I always say, well, the best topic is going to be one that you bring to us that we would not have thought of that we don't know anything about, perhaps. And so the reason you are here now is because Brian was like, hey, we haven't had Tyler on in a while. Let's have Tyler on. And we asked you, and this is the thing you brought us, which I can safely say, Eric and Brian, we have zero priors on. Is that correct? That might be overstating our knowledge. But yes, I think that's right. Yep, that is that is correct. We've seen the memes. You watch the Keynes versus Hayek or the Biden versus Trump, something like that. Those, those horrible... <laughs> They're really terrible YouTube examples, but a lot of traffic. I'm happy that you guys are a little bit less experienced in this in this corner of battle rap. I mean, just like you said, there's a kind of a cliched, trivial version of battle rap that is often used in parody form and things of that nature. But really, since the advent of this format, it has evolved into this very specific, highly specialized performance art that happens to include high lyrical content and some very, very sensitive and cutting edge subjects. And it's this whole arena of lyricism combined with comedy combines with stage performance that has exploded. So I'm uh, excited to share some of my thoughts on that and 
get your guys' thoughts. Well, Erica just found an article that, okay, well, I'm going to not talk in that rhythm <laughs> at all, was just explained to us before you jumped on about the historical roots. Do you want to? Here's the thing is I assume that there are historical roots everywhere here, just like obviously like in our very westernized culture. The first thing I found was about something called, is it flighting? F-L-Y-T-I-N-G, court flighting, sometimes served as entertainment for royals such as Scottish kings. And so it was in Scotland and England. And they say a medieval rap battle between two clever men. It featured the first recorded instance of poop being used as an insult. The moment Kennedy called Dunbar a shit without a wit, he ushered in a whole new era of scatological humor. So, you know, it was occurring to me as we're looking at this, like, clearly, this seems like it comes out of this one-upsmanship, and people have been doing this for ages in one form or another. So, of course, why not with words before it escalates to using weapons, right? I was thinking about the shit-talking in martial arts films before they start in the... (laughs) Yeah, or like in an anime, like when they're... Before they come to blows, there's this jabber between them, slinging insults before the actual combat begins. Anything from debate to any time that there's an exchange in kind of a heated format, it gets competitive. It, and then you have roasts, you have the comedic aspect of it. So, Tyler, what are your priors with this? How did you get interested in battle rap? I was in seventh or eighth grade when I really discovered my interest in hip hop in general. And then I had always been a creative person. So I wrote a lot of poetry and then having a realization like, oh, I could turn these poems into rhymes and then start to rap them. So I did that. And then shortly after that, you know, just like in school, you discover other people that might be interested as well. And next thing you know, there are battles going on in lunchrooms. So like the stereotypical someone beatboxing on the table or, you know, pounding a beat with their hands and us trying to freestyle and battle. At that point, there wasn't really a solidified league of battle rap. A lot of this battle rap started really back in late 70s, 80s, where DJs and freestyles, and it was very, very cursory as far as the complexity as opposed to the way it is now. But that's where it started, and that's where I started. Of course, being a hip-hop fan, whenever one rapper is going to go after another rapper, whether it be in written format or whatever, a battle begins, and then you kind of follow the trajectory of this quote-unquote lyrical confrontation. My priors go back to as early as I can remember just being interested in hip-hop, battling was always right on the periphery of it. Even as far as like, I became a rapper, and then it's really just this latent competitive nature of it. Like, there's no way this guy's a better rapper than I am, even though we might be friends. And my rap group, all of all of us, we're always in this friendly competition with one another, trying to outdo one another and roasting each other. And it's kind of built into the culture in that way. And for people who aren't maybe familiar with what sort of the current modern form of rap battling is, like, what are the basics or the rules? If you want to step us through the 10 points of dueling like Hamilton, you know, what are the essentials that maybe some parts of it differ, but it would be typical of of a battle rap? Does that mean Eric and I have to sing in unison? Number one! (laughs) One, two, three. I'm not sure I could give you a bulleted list in that format, but certainly there's an important distinction, and I tried to make this clear, between the old era where you just kind of freestyle on the off the cuff, and, you know, that takes a lot of skill, and some of that does appear in some of these modern era battles, but the distinction really is coming prepared. It's more like a a fight. If you're in an MMA fight, you spend months preparing for a single opponent, you get an idea of what their style's like, and you're able to come prepared. You have some time to cater your whatever you're bringing to anything from the venue to the, you know, potential audience, the demographic, whatever. So that's the biggest distinction. But 
the history goes back to the beginning of the written era is kind of when the freestyle era started to kind of fade away. 2004, 2005, 2006, like 03 to 06 in that range is when the written era really started to kind of take off because a lot of the major battle rappers then were doing freestyle competitions. And these guys are highly advanced freestylers that, and they were able to bring that freestyle stuff to the written era. But the distinction is freestyle off the cuff written, prepared. There is a middle ground where you can kind of come with premeditated stuff that you may have had written that you can integrate into a freestyle. And a lot of that happens. So there's still a lot of hybrid. But 2006, 2005, these leagues started to develop where the battle rappers from across the country, especially through the internet, already knew about each other, could come prepared for each other. They were familiar with each other's prior battles and stuff like that. And also really battle rap was bolstered by the internet in, in terms of battle rap forums and these central locations on like rapmusic.com and other websites where, and I was part of that. I, I participated in a lot of battles, written battles, text battles, audio battles. Like suddenly certain people had enough capital to start really developing platforms. And of course, with the advent of YouTube and streaming and all that stuff is something about taking off. And that, but that, that's the kind of the difference between. The Isn't two. that terrifying, Tyler? Like whether or not it's memorized, like I'm just thinking of it from a person whose life has revolved around memorizing scripts or having to do things improvised. Both are scary in their own way, because if you're learning something that you've written down, there's always the fear that you're going to be a word or two off and then you'll just go blank. On the other hand, if it's improvised, it may not be very good. It's just fascinating to me that so many people would want to do this kind of of work. I would think it would be something by that that was highly specialized, but it seems like there's a, a huge draw for people who are amateurs up to experts. Am I right that the scripted stuff sort of works off of the freestyle skills so that you know you've thought about a lot of the ideas that you're gonna put, you've thought about a lot of the even the rhymes, the internal rhymes, but you're still not necessarily verbatim reading the script. So this is where it gets really nuanced. So it depends on the rapper. Some people become very prepared and they have everything memorized, everything from the cadence to the performance part of it. Everything is scripted. Everything is, is rehearsed and written and specially written for the particular opponent. Some rappers are really good at integrating improvisation with written stuff. Depends on writing style. A lot of it is really subjective to the way in which the individual wants to approach it. I can have three total minutes that I have to fill, like three minute rounds or whatever. I could have maybe a minute and a half of that written, and then I know that if I'm a good enough freestyler, I can then fill in some time by rebuttaling what the other person's saying. That's going to be improvisation. I could have interchangeable stuff that I may have had prepared before that I can integrate into. So a lot of the really highly skilled, highly respected battle rappers are those who can come highly prepared if they need to be really specific and really kind of direct and focused on the opponent, whether there's a certain kind of angle they want to take. And the best also have this uncanny ability to be able to just off the cuff, either respond and rebuttal directly to what the opponent's saying or integrate stuff that they make up in freestyle. Like if they have a thought while they're there, a lot of these guys, they can conjure up minute and a half, 90 seconds of freestyle. Just, and that's the kind of stuff that's kind of mind-blowing for me. Like, In other words, it's not the case that a lot of it is just solely improviser or vice versa. I think sometimes it's a hybrid, but especially in this era, a lot of it is specifically written and memorized to be delivered against that particular opponent at that, at that particular time. And they're, they're giving that time to prepare for it. It's giving me agita just remembering what debate was like, because that's what it's, it was like, except I didn't have to rhyme. Erica, can I ask, do you ever play jazz? I mean, on the fiddle, maybe? or Sure, yeah. I mean, there's improvisation on instruments. But to me, I think words are much different. 
I'm guessing that for someone who is accomplished, they have the same 10,000 hours of practice. And they also, they've made a lot of mistakes and they know the, I don't want to say rules, but sort of the heuristics to know what's going to work and what's not going to work before it ever comes out of their mouth. I mean, I, I think you have the natural fear of someone, you haven't done it. So of course, the idea of having to do it would be terrifying. But maybe so, but it does seem related, right? It seems related enough that, yeah, that wouldn't be terrible, but maybe it does terrify me because I know how much work it would be to get good at it. It's terrifying for me for a couple of reasons. One, I've never been good at memorizing a lot of my own because I, I wrote so much and I never spent a lot of time rehearsing it. Once I record it, I'm, I'm done. I move on. I mean, these guys are writing nine, 15, 30 minutes of material, having to memorize every line. And then they have to go stand in front of somebody who's going to yell and scream at them, you know, disparaging insults in front of an audience. So maintaining composure, being able to deliver what you prepared and do it effectively. You know, they're going into it with mind games and all kinds of stuff. They're shit talking. Before the battle, it's like a lot like prize fighting in that way. They're promoting it. They may be friends, but they're going to go at each other's throat before the battle and then they're going to let it all hang loose. And the, the people that are successful, they, you know, they have this kind of stone cold killer mentality where you stand in front of me. It doesn't matter what your material is. I'm either I'm going to outperform you. I'm going to outwrap you. Like, and of course that there's a lot of that, but it is intimidating. Like having to memorize people who can kind of bail themselves out by freestyling on the fly and stuff. That's a really good skill to have because if you choke and you can't get yourself out of it, that's what freestyle can really do for you. It can get you out of those points where you blank because they scream something that you didn't expect at you and you lost what you were going to say. I imagine there's also just something to seeing. You know, we see the people who are really, really good at it. We're not seeing the failures. They're not the ones getting enough hits on YouTube. So of course they make it look easy because they're the best or they're the ones for whom it does look easy. So I know there are fails as well. And that's also part of internet culture. But those tend to be the ones that are particularly cringeworthy or funny or whatever. But those that are just kind of sad, you know, Mark has pointed out when he sees garage bands in movies, like they never really either they sound great or they sound terrible in a way that's humorous, but they just never really sound the way a bad garage band sounds. I think, Mark, you might have mentioned the movie Sling Blade, where they actually have a garage band that sounds the way terrible garage bands actually sound, which is just sort of this garbagey noise that isn't even enjoyably funny or enjoyably bad. I would love to hear some accomplished rappers early on before they got good to see just sort of what their journey is and, and what they go through and how they're all, I don't know if they all have a, if people make similar missteps early on. I know writers tend to in fiction make kind of the same kinds of mistakes. And maybe that's true of all artists. Let me ask you that, Tyler. Have you noticed how you have changed? Have you have you outgrown certain techniques or moves that you think are common for more common for beginners? Yeah, the evolution of the writing style is evident. Even if you look at a single rapper's career, like in any competitive environment, there's a metagame that's going on where there's a consensus best practice. And then someone comes in and breaks the mold of that best practice. Either that'll deliver some maybe different shock value that no one expected. Or it'll bring a different technique in that no one, and it'll, it'll be highly effective. And keep in mind, these are active arenas of competition where they're highly effective because the audience loses their mind live when you say something that has the kind of impact that it does. And that can change, quote unquote, the metagame. So a lot of it is the evolution of the written material, the, the lyricism itself evolving from 
single syllable kind of basic AB, basic rhyme scheme structures, you know, trivial and cliche insults to stuff that's highly structured, highly poetic, highly integrated with complex rhyme schemes, and then very clever figurative devices and, and uses of language and really focusing on the lyrical content of it. And of course, there's also the performance aspect, which you can't understate. A really good battle rapper may not be the best lyricist, but his delivery, his performance, his ability to dominate, to intimidate, can take the highest skilled lyricist off their game by standing in their face and screaming, you can't touch me and screaming that in their face, no matter how highly lyrical they want to be, that dominating aspect is also something that has evolved. So for me, I've become less uh, interested in just basic, you know, silly punchline, grotesque stuff. I'm, I'm highly into highly lyrical, highly complex, poetic. There was one guy that I put on the list of battles, Ilmac, who I'm highly always impressed with. His style is very, very sophisticated and complex and interesting and compelling. So that's just because I'm a kind of a book nerd. And so that's what I gravitate toward. Anyway. Well, yeah. So do you kind of like it despite the aggression and intimidation aspect, or is that part of, is it like the shit talking before a professional wrestling match? Because <laughs> getting in somebody's face and calling them a bitch and things like that, like as an ongoing activity, I don't quite get that. But if some of what you get out of it is not just, you know, or not you and specifically, but the fans is not just, I want to marvel at the rhyming and the skill and the potentially the philosophical ideas and the cleverness and the jokes, but as an outlet for aggression, then, I don't know, it seems like that's an inseparable part. Oh, a thousand percent. I don't think that couldn't be more true that all the entertainment systems and institutions that we have, they're channeling this raw, human, aggressive emotion in a lot of ways. A lot of that, you see it in movies, you see it in combat, simulated sports, football. We're always looking for ways to kind of aggress in a way that may not be out and out like war or something like it. It brings you right to that line. Like, you know, it's it's not necessarily a physical fight, but certainly that aggression and being very effective with the angles that you take with an opponent, for example, it can come across as very aggressive because you're being, you might be being very personal and also saying it in such a way that not only is it maybe skilled lyrically, but it's effective because it's aggressive and it's personal and that can have an impact. All that for me makes it dynamic beyond just slinging insults and screaming in someone's face. The aggression is part of it. If, if I get up there and not only am I more aggressive, I command the crowd in a way that I'm louder. I mean, in all performances, as a, an actor in a play, like you're not going to get the role if you can't project, if you can't command. To go back a little bit to kind of what Brian was talking about, looking at rappers' progression through as they evolve, a lot of these rappers come with the lyrical ability already there, but what they develop is the performance ability and being able to stand there and be stoic while they're getting yelled at. And then when it's their turn to jump into this highly dynamic performance artist and impress the crowd and stuff like that. So a lot of that is where the development happens too. That's definitely something I noticed in some of the battles that you sent us. I was like, I really like what this guy's doing, but this guy's getting so much audience participation. To me, I was like, okay, now it just seems like you're waiting because you're trying to figure out what to say, but it gave enough breathing room for the audience to be like, oh man, you know? And because of that, it almost seemed like he had a better rapport with the audience than the other guy did. Timing is huge in battle rap. Like if you're a stand-up comedian, you might have a, a bunch of funny material, but if you speed through it and give no one time to react and give no one time to digest it, not only will it not come across funny, it'll come across as, as weird and abrasive and the same kind of things if you're a rapper and you don't take into mind the crowd. Now, nowadays, that is evolving. People are now more performing for the camera as crowds are becoming less and less popular for obvious reasons. So that does change the way in which someone performs. You don't have to necessarily pause for reaction if you're just battling in a room of, of five or six people and that changes the way you approach the battle. So that, that, that is something that differs from that slightly. But, but yes, timing, being able to keep the crowd with you if you do need to take a pause 
to deliver a highly effective punchline and then have that built-in response time and then to time off that and keep the momentum going. All that is highly skilled and highly specialized. It's, it's very difficult to pull that off, especially in a room full of people who are looking to criticize you and looking to laugh at someone at someone's expense. It's just a totally interesting dynamic that doesn't really exist anywhere else, I don't think. I was surprised at, so like one of the guys you linked us to was some stuff by Dumbfounded, who is a guy who's also done stand-up comedy and acting and things, and that his delivery is not that fast compared to others. Like he actually, like I think most stand-up comedians, gives you time to react. And so then I was thinking of that as maybe that's the standard, that the whole thing, I guess we haven't even said that with this move to the written, there's no backing beat. Right. I guess that was the surprising thing in the first place. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course, if you just have a bunch of what's a cipher, is that the name of the the group of people standing around that are reacting as opposed to, you know, a large stage or whatever that it could just be in a room that if you want to be able to do this anywhere, do it on the street, then of course, you know, somebody's not going to be there with a turntable or or whatever. But the fact that that was not necessary, that, that gives you the freedom to like have any rhythm that you want. But then then some of the other ones you linked us to, they did talk impossibly fast kind of what I would expect, what seems intimidating to me when I listen to your rap say. That is a lot of words per minute. I don't know if I could even make my tongue do that. Yeah, it's important to mention there's no beat. Now, having a rhythmic constraint changes the dynamic entirely, but you can still do battles. And like when I was talking about earlier, the online forums, the, the rap battles, um, a lot of the tournaments that I got into were you know recorded and we weren't obviously weren't live, so we could do them to beats and we would write specifically to the opponent. It would be to a beat, but it'd be more like a rap song or whatever. So... That does happen, and there are some promotions out there that are starting to introduce performing over beats while battling, and that adds a whole other dynamic. Like, you're still doing it live, you're still doing it in front of a crowd, you're still preparing, but then you have the constraint of the beat, of the instrumental that you have to follow, so you're writing something catered to the beat, also catered to the opponent. But by and large, it's acapella, which, like you said, gives the rapper the ability to flex how he chooses and mold and change rhythms and change cadences and stop and go on runs where it's highly rhythmic and highly structured and then stop and go on a comedic run. Like you mentioned, Dumbfounded, there are others like Kid Twist, and there are a lot of others that have this kind of comedic style where it really is kind of, they're just doing rhyming comedy at the expense of a direct opponent. And that is just as much as an effect. I, did I link any Carter Deems to you guys? Same kind of thing where it's just, it's really goofy, comedic, but he'll also rap. So going through some of this, I ended up finding a movie on Netflix called Roxanne Roxanne. And it's about a rapper named Roxanne Shante, who was evidently quite the battle rap queen in Queensbridge in the early 80s. And she ended up having a pretty great rap career. Like, I was really hoping the movie would go more into like how she learned and what her technique was and all of that. But it kind of just started while she was already pretty good at it. And a lot of hers really seemed to be about attitude as well, as well as she had skills. But she tended to do more of this over beats. Or she had like, at one point, like a manager takes all of her tracks away and she's freaking out because she's supposed to do a show and she doesn't have any tracks to rap over. But then one of the guys in her crew, Biz Marquis, I believe, he says, no, 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 I'll just beatbox under you. And she goes, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. And so they have this whole thing and then he becomes bigger. And so it was really cool seeing just how even the people that she was part of hers tended to be, yes, she would record over a beat and she could do it in one take, but she also did these battle raps that went on tour. And then at the end, you end up finding that she also inspired Nas. So there seems to be a very big, as much as this is like battling and shit talking people, there's a very close connection and helping each other out and raising each other up. 
on the surface, ostensibly, it seems it's very abrasive. Like, wow, they literally seem like they hate each other. It's yeah. <laughs> but the MMA or the, the prize fighting analogy is perfectly apt because you can imagine, I don't know, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. I mean, you bank on the fact that it's going to raise the profile and it's great for the sport, great for the community, whatever. Battle rap is the same way. There is going to be bad blood necessarily. And there are people that take it to heart and take it personally. And, and that exists in any competitive environment. But by and large, yeah, it's a community thing. The platforms exist now to give these four forums for battle rappers to be able to flex their skill. I mean, they need each other for the sport to exist. If I'm a young up-and-comer, I'm going to go crazy on the local scene hoping for a bigger name to notice me and then call me up and then I can maybe compete against the bigger name and that's going to raise my platform. And then if I do particularly well and I'm particularly new, that can raise the spotlight on them, etc. So it's very community driven, even though on the surface, it seems like, God, it's this weird pit where everyone dives in to get their head chewed off. <laughs> but it's not really like that. Well, it seems like beef is really different for this kind of competition than pretty much anything else, right? Because not that there isn't bad blood in other types of competitions, but what it often comes down to is, all right, well, you now have to just go prove yourself in the competition. And if that's playing baseball or MMA or whatever, that's what you go do. Whereas this competition is actually that beef played out and, and maybe it's not really meant, but it is still this active insulting is just an extension of what's been going on. So it all seems very performative to me. This, as I was reading some of the history and, you know, I didn't know all the people, but this person, you know, had a problem with that person and it escalated into this and into that. And I was like, is it really all this happening or are they just trying to get an audience so that when they do finally have they're battle. There are a lot of eyeballs on it because people are emotionally invested. I have a feeling that they're being a little bit crazy like a fox sometimes. I think a lot of those things can be true all at the same time. I think the platform gives rappers an outlet to perform and show their skills in front of people. There is inherent competition there. So before battle rap, right, if I'm a rapper and my next door neighbor is a rapper, we're going to be vying for people's attention. I want the neighborhood to listen to my CD, not his CD. So maybe I start calling him names and trying to take the legitimacy away from him so they focus on me. So there is a competitive edge in the music industry in general and, and especially in hip hop where I feel like I'm a better rapper and feel like I'm a better performer, a better lyricist. So I want to get the shine. I want to be the one that gets all the streams and gets all the money, et cetera, et cetera. So then you have kind of a, a weird logical conclusion to that in battle rap where there are two rappers who maybe grew up on different sides of the country who have these skills and then start to know about each other. And, and maybe there is some competitive environment there. Maybe there is a little bit of bad blood. Like I, you know, I don't, I just don't think that dude's that great. So I'm going to say that on Twitter and then he's going to get offended and there's going to be a little bit of bad blood. It's not going to be that serious, but I'm going to defend my honor and, and go prove that I am better. These major platforms now giving rappers the ability to go make money it provides a medium through which they can do that. And then they can make a living and then provide entertainment. So I think it's a little bit of both. There can be bad blood. It, it, it is also contrived. I mean, it is a contrivance. It is, it's essentially arbitrary. But I mean, that's what sport is like. Hey, I'm going to decide I'm going to make a, a grid with lines and give you a ball and here are the rules. And we're going to meet and see who's the best at doing this thing in this grid with this ball. So, I mean, essentially, it's all constructed in that way and contrived. In what way is this related to people actually creating new tracks? And are they called diss tracks? Is, is that correct? Like where they actually have in their album call outs to specific rappers and then other rappers calling back to that. The most notable recent example, I think, is Eminem versus Machine Gun Kelly. And that was a relatively recent Machine Gun Kelly saying, yeah, I don't think Eminem is all that great. And of course, Eminem, to a lot of people's eyes, is the greatest of all time. And I happen to think that he is as far as on that side of things. And then they did two or three tracks against each other and it was on record. And now that is still battle rap, but it's not the same as performing live. So I think they're two different kind of platforms. There are a lot of notable rap battles, Cannabis versus Eminem, and then Cannabis versus LL Cool J. That was a really notable one. 
they do exist and they're, they're relatively ubiquitous in the culture. They might boost a record sale. I'm going to bring out an album and it's going to have that track that I dissed this guy on and he's popular and it's going to, that could make a wave and get more eyes on your album. It's not the same as I get four months to prepare in this tournament. And if I win this battle, I might be able to battle this other guy and then I could, you know, get 20,000 people to listen. And then yes, maybe record deals come out of this stuff. So in other words, the music is very linked to this, even though it's acapella screaming insults at each other. It's still hip hop. Maybe this is because I didn't actually watch to the end of any of the battles you sent out. Winning. Is that actually in the movie Bodied that you pointed us at, that written by Kid Twist, a.k.a. Alex Larson, produced by Eminem, 2017? I was a little lost at sea just clicking on these actual battles and like, how much of this am I? <laughs> but actually experiencing that presentation of it where not only do they give you like a lot of the actual battle rappers doing their thing, and it's not a documentary, it's a fiction thing, but then there a lot of the characters are giving the arguments for and against various, you know, is it racist? Is it appropriation of black culture for white people to be doing it? Are the insults in it real? Can you be super homophobic and misogynist and, and things in the battle rap? Is that okay? You know, there's so much internal debate within that movie. I found that a really effective presentation to get all that out. But I wasn't really sure. One of the early things he said, oh, yeah, there's no winners anymore. That sort of went away after a certain point. But you're talking as if, no, there are actual tournaments. So if there's a, a Grand Prix or a tournament, there are going to be judges and there a winner is, is declared. And now that's controversial almost every single time because like any figurative form, it's highly subjective in a lot of ways. So you have to contend with that. So having judges and what's effectively a subjective medium is difficult. However, there are very objective ways to determine a winner. In the venue, the classic way to determine a winner is go by crowd reaction, right? So that's that was one of the early ways. Who won? Scream. Okay, it looks like this person won. Everyone is more impressed. So there was that, and that would have been utilized early on. And there might have been judges. But in large part now, winners are kind of declared by an honored system consensus where you might put a poll up on Twitter, or you might just look at the way people are talking about it after the battle's over and get a sense of how the discussion is going, the discourse about the battle. You can get a sense of what the audience online considers, and there might be judged a winner. There may not be a winner. Both battlers may have done so well that it upped their stock, and really that's what it's all about. And you know, It's like soccer, you guys. There doesn't have to be a winner. You can tie. They <laughs> just played well. Yeah, yeah. Everyone gets orange slices at the end of a rap battle. If you read a lot of or listen to a lot of people talk about battle rap, even when there was no official winner declared, there's still a general consensus of who the winner was. And it's usually developed from the kind of the bottom up with a little bit of audience input as well. But, you know, the rappers usually know. You can say, oh, he choked here. He wasn't necessarily very clear here. But this guy was very consistent all the way through. May not have had as effective punchline here or here, but he was consistent and it was funny the entire time or whatever. Like the criteria can be very, very subjective and arbitrary and stuff like that. But winners can be officially declared. Sometimes it's just subjectively emerges from the zeitgeist, as it were, people examining it and determining the winner on that basis. Well, I appreciated you linking us to the Ruin Your Day channel. There's probably other, I saw there were some rap battle podcasts, but that one in particular where it's other rap battlers that, you know, they show portions of a rap battle and they stop and like talk about, oh, that line is really great. And like, really gets you to, if you want to do this, drill into what exactly would the judges be judging. Right. And that's a really great way to see what rappers are doing when they're constructing these lines and the way that they're delivering them. Like they're, they are trying to impress their peers because that's the competition and they want to exceed the competition. And if, if you have the best, one of the best in the world on Ruin Your Day, giving compliments to another rapper for the skills that they've shown, that's a victory, even if you may have lost the battle, quote unquote. So there's, there's a lot of that too. But yeah, it gets into the nitty gritty. Like it's a very specialized form at this point. And there are a lot of different ways to go about it. 
imagine it's also a lot easier now to find out if people are using other people's material as their own, because I'm sure there's an element of that. In the very first recorded rap battle, I listened to the one with uh, Busy B and Cool Modi, and Cool Modi comes on and basically accuses him. And I don't know if this was in jest or if it was true that he pays people for his rhymes and then he reuses them all the time. Well, here's the thing. Like, when you're in a battle, I'm going to accuse you of all kinds of shit that you may have not done. It's it's whether or not the audience believes me or you. So, like, <laughs> and of course, there are going to be situations where maybe the stakes are very high and there is line sharing and punchline sharing between battle rappers. They talk amongst each other. It's a very uh, internalized group as far as that goes. And that, that does exist. But yeah, one of the most devastating things you can be accused of is delivering material that not yours. Yeah, if I get on stage and I can convince the crowd that you didn't deliver your shit, maybe provide some phony evidence and get people to believe me, and then yeah, that might be an angle that wins me the battle, especially if the person I'm battling is objectively better than me. That's dirty, Tyler. It's dirty fighting. Well, obviously, there's a lot of embellishment and hyperbole in battle rap, so you know, take that to the extreme that you want to, and it can be either highly effective or highly ineffective. It's very clear when that when both of those things happen. Wrong is what you're not allowed to interrupt your uh, opponent, as they say. Clarify all the rules. I notice different reactions. You're not allowed to actually interrupt the other person. You have to let them do the whole thing. But are you supposed to remain completely unresponsive? Or some of them were, you know, done in better spirits, and they were actually, you know, laughing at each other's jokes and stuff. So that's interesting. There's an aspect to this called defense, which you wouldn't, it's very counterintuitive, but there is defense. And uh, if someone is really destroying you, and you're looking at him cold in his eyes, and you're not reacting, that takes some of the umph out of his punches. If you're not showing any reaction, that's a defensive strategy. And there's a lot of defensive strategy. You can jest with the person. A lot of times, if I'm being insulted and someone is doing it in a highly skilled way and I'm starting to get intimidated, a lot of people will start to talk through their rounds. And that's evidence of them getting rattled, of it, of it getting to them, of them losing their composure. That's bad defense. And that, that can actually contribute toward, well, both it's going to contribute toward your momentum going into your round. And you may not deliver your round as effectively because you were rattled. Um, but also, it's in poor taste if you're doing it. It's like the Trump debate with Biden. I was going to say, this sounds exactly like it. It's the same bullshit where, like, yeah, maybe you do have good arguments. And maybe you are, you do have good points, but I'm not going to listen to them because you're being obnoxious and clearly you're not in a position to effectively communicate what you're trying because you're, I don't know, you're rattled or something. So there are rules. What would the rules be in a standard rap battle? Are you allowed to dance? Especially when they had the tracks, like I'm thinking about 8 Mile, where Eminem really is doing the, I will just stare at you dead eyed while you deliver the thing against me. But there's a groovy beat going on in the background. I would think it would be more disconcerting to just ignore the other person and do a little boogie the entire time and try to, in fact, get audience attention on you rather than the person singing. Is that against the rules? At this point, it's it's a consensus rule set developed over that that is emerged. Obviously, initially, there's like, yeah, please don't talk through his round. Like, respect the MC. Like, let him get through his stuff because he's going to let you get through your stuff. And there's like, respect the rapper, respect the craft, respect the culture, and don't be a dick. Uh, but also, just then in Eight Mile, there was like, you've got 90 seconds. It really was just like the presidential debate. If you're doing a battle over a beat, it's going to be more structured because the beat is going to be broken into bars. You're going to have a 90 second chunk, and you can deliver it very consistently. But it can be problematic if someone is is interrupting or something. And there are kind of rules as far as that goes. But I think right now, with the exception of maybe a specialized tournament and stuff where the opponents have an agreed on time limit, a lot of times they'll they'll sign the contract for the battle and say, we're going to do two minute rounds or five minute rounds. Or sometimes there's a notorious unlimited round battles where the rapper can write as long as they want. And it can be really an attrition battle where if I can deliver consistently for longer than you and and be better than you. You are worse than everyone in the phone book, which I am now going to recite now. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, just read the whole phone book for 10 hours. And Mark said he wasn't going to rap. It's not as structured as... And it doesn't really need to be. That I think that's the beauty of this culture. Like, not needing beats. A, ba- a battle can just manifest itself out of nowhere, like a flash mob. And you don't really need someone with a, a rule book. Okay, before we begin this impromptu battle, read the rule book. No, it's like, no, you just know it's a cultural dynamic that we just, you kind of are familiar with if you're in that culture. And then the battle just kind of emerges in that way. And it, the more notable platforms have taken that and have formalized it a bit more and made it a bit more stomachable and a bit more kind of contained and you know, here's a 30-minute battle. It's got a, an intro and an outro. And In a world where battle rap is prominent enough that they could break out at any point in any customer service interaction, for instance. And I'm thinking of this, I can't remember, maybe it was The Drunken Master or something, some martial arts movie where it was like, oh, he's nobody. He doesn't even know Kung Fu. As if Kung Fu is so prominent that it turns your entire status in the society. It is too bad that we do not have uh, you know, such channeling of aggression into rap battling that that is the gold standard. But I would be terrible at it, so I, I vote against that anyway. I thought the compliment battle was really funny. Is this just like a random offshoot that happened, or or are like do these tend to happen a lot, or like are some people just into compliment battles? No, it is more of a uh, a side offshoot gimmicky kind of thing. But since that one with Ronan and Pat Stay, it has become kind of a I would like to see a compliment battle with these two people. And it, you know, obviously you have to have sufficiently talented writers to be able to do something like that and make it entertaining. The kind of an inverted roast, which is kind of weird. But that format in general lends to a lot of different things you can do. Uh, I'll link some two on two battles. There was a tournament where there were eight rappers in an arena. And you can pick who you want to focus your attention on. And it's like an eight player free for all or something like that. There's those weird, so there are different, a lot of different interesting formatting things you can do and subject matter. So you saw some of those where they're very gimmicky, but you get a skilled enough writer in there and they can make it very compelling. A handful of Jedi rat battlers and just a whole bunch of droid rat battlers. I've got to say that the insult put down nature of it, I find to be kind of exhausting, even if it is performative there is a just this negativity to it that drains the energy out of me and after a while i just i relate it so much to sport and i'm looking to be uplifted when i watch sport often by you know great play and it seems like focusing on this negative aspect for me it's maybe not how i want to spend my recreational time kind of getting put into this really negative space but i, I don't know if that's partly just getting prepared for this i was watching too much of it all at once and and maybe in smaller doses it would be more appealing when you refer to Tyler just as talking about religion more, I guess that would be the uplifting part is if, as I see in your own voluminous rap output is not calling out people and that negativity, it gets to the point of philosophical and exposing truths. And it seems there is room for that in this, but that's not insult comedians are not known for being the most philosophical among comedians. Um, it seems like there's something about the form that turns you away, as Brian says, from something that might otherwise be uplifting in rhyming and showing your skill to convey some larger truths. It's tricky because I understand that sensibility. And in fact, I I don't watch it as voraciously as I used to. And partly it is for that, a little bit of that reason. But I also don't watch horror movies and gore films because I don't want to be subject to, there's a very edgy nature to it, which can A, be an acquired taste. And as a result, um, like a lot of things that are edgy, like hard metal and stuff, once you, you have to kind of crack that initial surface to see the nuance behind it and you start to understand, oh, there is depth here. If the depth hooks you and you can be interested in the, the nuance and the skills, 
That's fine. Obviously, me rapping and kind of engaging in it, I can analyze it from a different perspective. But yeah, as a just kind of a lay person who's never experienced it before, I can see it being very overbearing. They're all Sam um, Kinnison's among comedians. But at the same time, for just real quick, like just the nature of insult and insult comedians and stuff like that, it's exploitation of the dramatic human interaction. I think humans look for these kinds of things, these controversial, edgy things in a, a lot of different forms and mediums. So it's an offshoot of that, but also being inherently competitive. Also, when you're sort of have stepped out of your own culture, it's hard to see where the lines are when someone may or may not have crossed it, right? Insult comedy, especially what I grew up with, there's a lot of their Jewish roots to it. And some of the great insult comedians were Jews. And I totally understood what that was, kind of growing up and having listened to a lot of it. And I also knew when the line was being crossed. And watching some of these rap battles, it was a little bit like when I've seen foreigners at a baseball game and they're not really totally sure when to be excited and when to clap and or they're cheering at an error and because they aren't quite sure what they're watching. And I felt like I was having to take cues from the spectators when it was clear someone had done a great thing or whether they had done a lousy thing or whether they had done an appalling thing because I'm not in a position to know that. And all that really shines a light on is my inadequacy as a consumer. <laughs> no, I mean, the line, that, that proverbial line in the sand that you want to approach, but maybe not cross, or maybe you want to strategically cross that line to create that shock value. Maybe my opponent is someone who is objectively better than me, but I have sufficient skill that if I take an angle and cross a certain line, maybe it's touchy. And if it gets a really good reaction, that can be the killing blow, the unexpected, engaging in it strategically that way, taking an angle, a personal angle, or for example, the MMA analogy is interesting. And I always refer to it because like you go into a fight knowing that you might get punched in the face and knock the hell out, right? So you go into the fight acknowledging up front that someone may cross the line with you. And if you're weak-willed and you make it physical because of that, you lost. You don't deserve to be necessarily in that competitive format at that time because you can't handle it. And a lot of, there are a lot of shock value disrespect rappers. Arsenal is one of them where a lot of it is not direct, but he will use very, very disrespectful angles and language. And it'll be shocking to people who are not kind of used to that banter. <laughs> but that's really all it is, is it's creative performance. And they hand, usually handshake at the end and hug it out and move on and respect each other after the fact. So that's why I find it so fascinating. A lot of this stuff, a lot of these guys are friends and they'll battle each other. That's the way it should be. I think we at least need to talk about before we get out of here, the sort of safe space aspect, your words in quotes that you said in the notes that you hated. And that's also in the film bodied is like a prime consideration that the goal is to just say the most insulting thing and you try to research it, but like, well, you could be too personal and more likely Apparently, it's not uncommon just to use whatever ethnic stereotypes are available, whether it's you're so white, you're <laughs> Casper the Ghost thinks you're, you know, whatever, finish, finish it up, and to make this a sort of free speech forum, but not really, because you're not necessarily trying to, you know, a free speech forum is usually, I want to make the political points I really want to make. But these guys, if the point of it is to just score points on your opponent, it's no, I should be able to say whatever I want in service of that, and everybody that is witnessing because this is a niche enough activity is going to be understanding about that and they're not going to call me a racist they're not going to call me a misogynist or whatever just because i'm pulling on tropes and talking about what i'm going to do to your wife or whatever it's important if you go into an arena like that if you go to a comedy show if you go to watch a horror movie you go knowing that there's going to be something that's going to push the boundary of what is comfortable for you and I think that's a very important aspect of the, of battle rap. It exists on the frontier of free speech where literally if you can't handle what someone says, the free speech integrity is, is being broken and you want to censor. That's the antithesis of what battle rap is supposed to be. 
doesn't mean that a lot of these participants aren't highly aware and acknowledging the zeitgeist, the current paradigm, the disc, the political discourse. And to speak on the, the political aspect of it, there are rappers that do use this platform because it does have eyes and ears on it to make political points. And if you can do that effectively in a battle and also win by insulting your opponent and do it dynamically, that can be very effective, but it can also be very ineffective because you're not, you're not going at your opponent. So. The safe space aspect of it is very important. The moment we start just catering to people because they get offended is the moment we start losing our ability to say anything. And that, I think that slippery slope argument exists in every aspect of, of discourse, whether it be through social media or any other way in which we communicate. Like there are some things that maybe you stay away from, right? If my opponent just had someone pass away and we're battling the next day, I'm probably not going to bring that up the next day, but it's on the table. And you agree that when you sign up to, to do this, anything goes. And, you know, me and Mark are friends and so maybe we get into a battle. We're probably not going to go all in. Maybe we'll agree behind the scenes, a gentleman's agreement. Like, look, here's the line. Let's just not cross this line. Like, you know, you're my friend or whatever. You know, then there may be some internal agreement before the battle takes place. But if it's impromptu enough or if it's freestyle or something happens and someone wants to be edgy, they may say something that's a quote unquote too soon or something that to have that edge. That, and if you go into it, like not willing to accept that, then you're in the wrong medium. Like it's, it's supposed to be free expression in, in terms of that. I am friends with Mark, but this is my only chance to tell him how much I really do not like his children. So <laughs> <laughs> they're too polite. Just do a YouTube search on most controversial rap battles and you'll see many examples of someone taking it a little bit too far to the point where it has gotten physical. You know, people are weak-willed and dumb and unpredictable in a lot of ways, but for the most part, it's a very safe space to listen to some controversial, edgy stuff. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's compelling. Yeah, and I'm sorry, Mark, I apologize. I do like one of them. We'll let them fight it out to figure out which. Uh, somehow with like political discourse, whether it's this Sandel book that we just talked about on Partially Examined Life or just within a particular debate, there always seem to be people counting how many times various phrases, various ideas are used to kind of count the prevalence or they mine Twitter or something in like, how much are people using rise as far as your talents will take you or what, you know, pick your cliche. How much is this thing getting traction? And I, I'm really wanting there to be some data mining within battle rap, like have people use you're such a Trump voter or something, you know, as part of a slam since 2016. What is the percentage of that? What does that say about the political leanings of the group that does battle rap? I would assume that it is largely liberal, but I don't know. A lot of battle rappers will take stock of what's been said about maybe a current event. And if you're not the first to mention it and someone does it effectively, you either have to do it more effectively or don't do it at all. As if I get up on a battle after some significant historical event happens and I make in a crazy line that sends the crowd into a frenzy and wins me the battle, to in order to use that reference again, it has to be something that's angled differently that is unique enough or it's going to be considered you know washed at that point and there are a lot of concepts that are already washed like you a lot of people stay away from certain things that have been overused and stuff like that so that does exist and it would be interesting just to have a con like a content analysis and see where the trends follow the political lines well you can uh as you're editing this episode do your own content analysis of <laughs> of what we've said here and then fix it <laughs> Pour more smart things in my mouth. <laughs> Take more. Put smart things in my mouth. <laughs> so let's wrap up. Thanks, uh, listeners. Thanks, Tyler, for sharing your world with us. I don't know. Like, you know, when we did our manga episode, I came out of that like, I don't know. I But then I've been reading manga since that. And I also, as of this morning, like, I don't know if I ever want to watch another battle rap again. But who knows? Who knows? We'll have to keep in touch about it. Yeah. Thank you, Tyler, for joining us. This is great. 
Appreciate it. I love being on. Look forward to next time. Yeah, thanks a lot, Tyler. So long. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.